and welcome to A Nightmare on Fear Street, a monstrous podcast about all things horror. If you like what you hear today, then you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you can also rate and review us on Apple iTunes. Today we are talking about episode five, Lovecraft Country, Strange Case, and we have a special guest. We have Kenya Ann Hall here today. Kenya, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and where to follow you. Uh, yeah, so I'm Kenya. Hello. Um, I am a theater artist in Chicago. I do um, arts administration and, the art- and um, artistic producing and the um, Steppenwolf Theater Company, as well as act and write and dramaturg around the city. And it's pretty awesome it's pretty fun um, and um i mean you can follow me on the instagram um i'm at kenya bouquet like flowers um i truly don't really post often but if i were to post about things that i'm involved in that's where i would post or you know just like random selfies of me or pictures of the sun i don't know it's <laughs> <laughs> what keeps me going really all right, so we're getting down. This is the halfway point of this season of Lovecraft Country. So what are some general thoughts we had on the episode as a whole before we get into, like, specific notes? Well, I should say, just from listening to the past episodes, I feel like this is going to be a very hot take. I actually am here for Matros. <laughs> He's the anti-hero I need. Like, especially, I feel like this was a very good episode for him. So I feel comfortable saying that now. (laughs) This was the episode to have you on. This is the first time I wasn't like, why can't we just kill him? Um, I was like, he might have a soul. (laughs) I just love, like, you know, when you get rescued and your first response is, why the hell are you here? I got to know more about that background. I got to know more about that journey. <laughs> I mean, I will, he is, he has been a very interesting character. I just question a lot of his um, actions. <laughs> that is fair. That is so fair. As a more general thought on the series, I, I think what it's doing, like, musically and with audio and with, like, this, like, reconfirmation of history situation, I love how it does that. I, I'm waiting, like most, to see when things make sense, because it does feel very disjointed at times. And the racism feels a little, like, caricature at times, but also I think that goes into the campy world of horror. So I'm like, maybe that's purposefully the style of the show. But still a great watch. I... I just, you know, I watch it in the daytime. <laughs> you have to. <laughs> <laughs> I love to see what's going to happen next. Because, <laughs> girl, you never know. Right? I feel like Mm-mm. this episode specifically drove home this idea I had where Misha Green should have rebooted The Twilight Zone because she gets this genre in a way, but also brings it to today's issues that we need to be talking about in a way that I would much prefer to what the reboot is. Um, not saying don't watch the reboot. Some of the episodes are really good, but I feel like Misha would give it to us every week. That's fair. Because that's what she's basically doing with us, but with characters we see every week. All right. So let's get down into it. So we opened this episode on what we think, or what who I thought 
was a random white lady laying in the bed. Actually, it's the it's the sheriff. The sheriff that had the dogs from the first oh, episode. Right. Oh, right, right. That's mm-hmm. familiar. Yeah, that's who she is. Because I was like, I know this woman. I know this woman. <laughs> she told me who it really was. Because, like, in the preview for this week, they kept showing Ruby wrapping these red sheets. And, like, she went home with the butler, not butler. And I was like, uh, is this white woman Ruby? And then she looked at her hand and freaked out. I'm like, this white woman Ruby? What have we done? <laughs> That was my reaction. My neighbors probably hate me. I'm surprised they knocked on my door this morning. It was a choice. Like, I was shocked. I mean, again, we've got people being inside people. Sheree, again. We can't get away from it. We can't get away from it. I didn't realize it was her. I just thought they had brought the sheriff lady back to life since she had got knocked out by Letty, Letitia fucking Lewis in like episode two so i thought okay maybe they're bringing her back to life to do something with her but then she's all confused and running through the streets and then she stuck up for the little brown boy and i'm like okay something is strange here (laughs) i'm a ruiner and it's one of the few things misha let me ruin for myself (laughs) so i latched on to it i'm like this is this is ruby and she's like i'll give you this one but what else is happening i'm like i don't know yet So, yeah, and then so she is, she wakes up and she's really confused, and then she goes to, somehow, she gets all the way to the south side in her, like, robe. <laughs> I was confused. Like, did no one... Right. Nobody gonna stop her. That's fair. That's, yeah. that's a good point. <laughs> um, and in her confusion, she bumps into this young black boy, and, of course, the cops, as soon as this happens, and accuse this black boy of molesting her. And this that scene, I was just, I you know, of course, every time they show the cops, it's bad because, like, let's be real. Um, that way. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, but she takes up for him. And even, like, the surrounding people of color are like, what's going Shook. on? <laughs> <laughs> this, this don't happen every day. They were like, this Karen might be a Carol. <laughs> <laughs> So, yes, and then that happens, and then they get, they take, so they leave the boy alone, and they take her and put her into the car to give her a ride home. In the car, they're, so I don't know if anyone else clocked this, but they're playing that creepy song that they used on American Horror Story season three, two? I don't know. That one that's like, you belong with me. It makes the rounds in horror movies. It does. <laughs> so creepy. It's effective. <laughs> Literally. I said, of course, these white cops have this playing in their cars. They're like driving around the city. <laughs> I also appreciated it because it told me what this episode was about to be. Um, because she do belong to our friends. Friend. Friend, uh, friends. She shouldn't. That. I'm like, I... Mm. I mean, this is his last episode, but why? Ruby, why did you trust this white man? Especially, I brought this up last episode, but she was like, you're not going to get it. You're not going to get it. Next scene, they're having sex. Mm-hmm. They were sitting on the stairs. Like, that's, I even, demand more, Ruby. At least get, like, a flat right. surface. A flat <laughs> surface. You know you got that problem. Good table. She was bleeding down, and he was sucking the blood out of, and they couldn't have kept that table. Uh. Goodness. Mm-mm. <laughs> Many decisions were made. And so here we are. And uh, Sheree, you brought up that um, they this, they say that your husband must be real worried about you. Right then and there. 
Because I was like, is this just sexism wrapped into what he about to like put this woman through or what? Because <laughs> of course it's the 50s. So like women don't have agency, even if they are white. And right. so it's like, there must be a man to take care of you. And well, she's it, like, no. And they're like, you're going back to your husband. And I'm like, what if he was abusive? What if that was why she was reacting this way? Right. And I was like, oh, that's right. It's the cops. They don't care. Right. It's like, you're aware of the episode. Like the husband has told you she has episodes and like you don't see that as maybe we shouldn't bring her back to the husband because maybe the husband is the cause of these episodes that couldn't possibly be a thing like a man couldn't possibly cause a woman to have mental duress that's just not true but yeah and it, and it also goes by this is a future conversation that ruby has with um not butler dude and but it, it whose, name is of, is, whose name is william i finally oh, heard yeah. this episode um <laughs> But she talks about how she's grown up being black and being a woman, and she never she never thought of which one would be more or less like harmful. I'm, I'm completely paraphrasing right now, <laughs> but um, she would wake up every day and be proud to be both of them. I thought you know it was a really interesting bit of dialogue for her in that moment when she's talking about not only the struggle of being black but also the struggle of being a black woman, especially because back then intersectionality was not a conversation mm -hmm. um so you were like are you picking on me because i'm a woman or because i'm black and we didn't understand that people have multitudes they can be bigoted <laughs> they can have all this give them their credit they can be awful in many arenas um yes. yeah. and then that's just another instance where you're watching the show and you're like is this 2020 because separating <laughs> You're like, um, feminist from your blackness is a constant conversation that we're still having because for some reason, women issues are never important enough for the movement. They distract from it because <laughs> they can't be important at all because they're not about like saving black men. <laughs> right, right. And if you dare question a black man who should be questioned, R. Kelly, because I just left Chicago, you're still in Chicago. He still got stands, and I'm just—he like, still has stands. What else can he do for you to understand? You need to stop supporting him. Anyway, like we're not here to give our Kelly screen time. We, <laughs> we need to go let's go back to our girl, uh, <laughs> whose bones um, are breaking in the back seat. <laughs> I did enjoy that this show, this episode, really focused on Ruby more than anybody else. Ruby's storyline was the central storyline in this episode. Ruby as the white lady, they drop her off with her husband who carries her into the house. Cause like, that seems okay. Uh, <laughs> um, and then we start seeing her like have all these weird transformation things start happening. And he's being real rough with her. And at one, at one point- He was talking about cocoons and um, how the things have to come out of it. Which and this one, they were like, we're going to tell you what's going on because it's too much. <laughs> yes. And then that's underscored with the whole newscast about the African locusts. Mm -hmm. um, and truly, I'm just like, I just need whatever is inside of her to come out. And then he pulls out the knife and starts cutting her up. And I'm like, Ooh. okay. That first moment when he stabs her and the lady screams and you see the eyeball and the mouth, I just like, that's nightmare material right there. Mm-hmm. I half expected one of them like multi-eyes shiglock locks from the first episode to pop out of her. <laughs> and I'm 
are they using people to make those now instead of cows? Like, is that what's happening? <laughs> yeah, that happened straight up. I would have been like, Trent, Kenya, y'all got this. I'm done with this show. <laughs> let me contact our next guest to let them know I'm also done with this show. <laughs> Bring more notes, everybody. What? <laughs> but no, it is actually Ruby, her actual self, in the body of this white woman. And she shook it because she did not consent and co-sign to wake up white today. She did not. She did not. Like, how dare you? <laughs> you have to share that information. You have to be like, I'm going to do this thing. Do you want to wake up white tomorrow? Would you like that experience? Right? Like, I understand show, not tell, but no. <laughs> you need to tell me that I'm about to be a white woman tomorrow. Right? Especially in the 50s or wherever, like, 60s or whatever this takes place, like, no. It was 55 at one point, but we don't know. <laughs> we don't know anything. We, could, we assume we're still in Chicago. We assume it's still in the 50s. We assume it's still on Earth. I don't know nothing. Like, you next say. episode is just them floating around in Mars. I'll be like, we're welcome. <laughs> I mean, they literally walked from Boston to Chicago in, like, an hour last week. So, who knows? Um, I just decided to use Harry Potter logic on that one. You know, <laughs> oh, they could fit a bunch of stuff in them suitcases. They could fit a short walkway <laughs> from Boston <laughs> to Chicago underground. You know, it's magic. <laughs> so then we go to Letty and Tick, and they're talking about going to see the um, indigenous person that they found in the last episode. Spoiler alert, they were murdered. And Montrose. Yeah, no, that was not a good look. No. <laughs> but why... he knows something, and I need to know what he knows. <laughs> I, need, I need him to fix himself, or I'm going to fix him. But anyway, they go to see them, and Montrose is like, kill them. And this is the first time I was on Tick's side for some violence, because Trick, I mean, <laughs> Tick grabbed, <laughs> this Trick grabbed his dick. No. <laughs> Tick grabbed his father and proceeded to beat the hell out of him. And Letty's like, stop. I was like, Letty, be on the right side for once. Let it happen. Let it happen. <laughs> and so, like, they pull him off, <laughs> and he goes to the basement to lose his mind. And I'm like, but your daddy's still alive, as far as I can tell. Should you go back up there? No. <laughs> you should finish this. I mean, but Macho's let himself get beat. So that says something. He did. He did not fight back. I don't think he could take it. I don't think he could take him. But I that think he family could. I think I don't know. He could dig himself out of a out of a dungeon. He might be able to take him. But how long did it take him to shake his way out? That could have been like some years on years on years. Some months. Was, no, because no, he just got kidnapped like the weekend before Tick went to go get him. But what is time in this show, and what is time <laughs> in this year? We don't really know. There. There. <laughs> Um, but yeah, but see, Montrose even tries to like play it off like they like the indigenous woman left. They left. Yeah, no, that he opens the window and Montrose just says they're gone. But Tick knows what she tells us later that Tick knows that he killed them. The way he said it <laughs> and the way he was acting but told what, us what had happened. Do we know what he did with the papers? Because it didn't show what he did with the um you know, the, the manuscript that they were looking for last episode. His shady yeah. ass probably burned it. He's, I hate him. Like, I, I literally hate I think if he burned I, it, he would have seen it. I think he's got him somewhere. I want to know how Letty 
star of our lives was able to take the pictures before he did whatever he did. Like, how much time passed between them getting out that elevator and them getting her in the room when Letty was able to take these? I'm glad that she did. And, you know, she is truly the hero of the show. <laughs> the most capable person in this universe. Yeah. But, you know, I'm just impressed. I'm just impressed constantly. We were asking where was Letty at the end of the last episode? So what if she was helping them get settled in and taking pictures? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Letty has to do all the work because yes. Tick and Montrose are doing the least. They were busy Ooh. bathing the indigenous person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I mean, uh, they don't know what, how to do the things because the 50s are like new age for them because they died who knows how many hundreds of days years ago. Because <laughs> what is time? <laughs> Goodness. And then when she came down there with that back, because she was like, Tick is not going to beat me. He can try it if he wants to, but no. I was like, like, yes. (laughs) Letitia fucking Lewis, yes. That's going to eliminate on his ass again. Right? She was like, you had your seven seconds in that bathroom. (laughs) You only have one shot. (laughs) But not miss. (laughs) Goodness gracious. Then we go from that and we go back to now actual Ruby laying on the same bed. And um not butler man comes out in a towel and proceeds to get dressed in front of us which i you know i'm all for male nudity i'm you know not going to complain we get enough female nudity let's have let's let's mix it up a little bit um and they have this exchange where he basically tells her that magic is real and this is a potion that uh transforms you really he said okay but I did notice this is something that I think will be a thing later on. This is why I want to bring it up. He says that he uh, wanted to find, he wanted to do something. I can't remember what it was, but, um, but it made him link up with that high Hiram, uh, whatever his last name was. And with the, the racist guy who was experimenting on black people in that one episode. Um, and he said he basically said that Hiram couldn't give him all the answers, but he created doorways, magical doorways. That that's really all I got out of that. But I want to know where are these doorways? What are these doorways going to do? Are we going to get Cthulhu coming through one of these doorways at some point? Because if that happens, you're all we're all fucked. <laughs> Maybe he put one in Boston and one in Chicago, and then gave up. It's <laughs> <laughs> like that's enough doorways for me. Right? That's your one magical route. Oh, yes. So going back to Lovecraft doing all these different dimensions and realities, I think that that, that, those magical doorways is going to be something at some point. Maybe that orrery, orrery, hardest word to say, um, is is one of those doorways. And that's why um, white, uh, what, what are we calling her? White witch? White witch. Is the <laughs> white witch, Becky with the good hair. Um. <laughs> or, Becky, or Becky with the bad wig. <laughs> Chaotic neutral Becky. Like, she's had many nicknames here. But her name is Christina. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah. Because yes. I truly could not remember. <laughs> I think I found out last episode or episode before because I just was like, who is this girl with this bad wig? And why can't we kill her? <laughs> Right? She's too powerful to be walking around. Mm-mm. I don't like it. Right. I don't. I, don't, I, don't. Like it. <laughs> I need I need a kill switch on our villains. Like, 
Yes. You may have a boss battle where the battle ends in one way. The end of that conversation, Ruby is like, he's the uh, not butler man says that he has business to take care of. And Ruby is like, well, can I leave? And he says, you can do whatever you want and puts the potion on the table. Cut to white Ruby <laughs> back in the, <laughs> her best life. Um, I, I was really conflicted because on one hand, it's just like, ooh, Ruby, you know this is not going to end well. And on the other hand, you, we feel bad for sis. We've talked about it at length. She got, she got on her journey. She needs some more self-love. She ain't been given opportunities. And she's like, it's not always manifesting in the healthiest ways. Mm-hmm. Like what she keeps saying, how she wants to be a credit to her race by doing, <laughs> working her fingers to the bone and shit. And she comes across as sometimes problematic. Um, <laughs> and so like, I was not surprised, but I was like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And- Later on, yeah, there's some things that she says later on that I'm like, oh, God, I don't know how I feel about that. But also, you know, get that free ice cream. <laughs> I just had to pay for mine. It wasn't the flavor I wanted. And you I got that, a white ruby. You needed that potion. Girl, get that potion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like, uh, I just, you know, just seeing her walk around. And also the po- this show is so brilliant in the way that it uses audio. Because the poem that underscored that moment, like, it's heartbreaking because this is all Ruby has ever wanted is to just be acknowledged and even treated what she's worth. Like, to have the worth that she feels on the inside match the worth that she's given on the outside. And to to have to be this white woman. And also, no shade to her, but this white woman who is not nearly as glamorous as Ruby is. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that's how you know racism is alive and kicking because this mm-hmm. white woman getting treated like a princess and she looked like a person and, and ruby's this decadent queen and she's being ignored <laughs> and turned around forever nobody's giving her free ice cream and this <laughs> white, and this white woman could never pull off the jewel tones that ruby pulls off <laughs> no the in her dreams. no or the sequins no <laughs> or the attitude <laughs> no definitely not no um, yeah, but the poem, I, I loved it because it was from colored girls who've considered suicide, which I feel okay. tells us a little bit more about Ruby as well. I mm-hmm. thought that because I never read that play, but I I know the title and like the themes in the poem seemed like that title to me. I also love that they edited it so we end her on the park bench with her ice cream when they say for colored girls who have considered suicide because she's living her best fucking life for once. Not a care in the world, out here carefree and white. And I'm just like, this juxtaposition is going to play with my mind. And I don't know how to feel my feels. Yes, like, and then she gets home. <laughs> and old dude, butler not butler, is like, you didn't spend any of the money I gave you. I didn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh. <laughs> is a currency, and she even says it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, that was it. Such a good line. Because we don't think of it that way. You know, uh, speaking as a white person, we're not brought up to think of whiteness as a currency. And like how you use that whiteness is important. So I thought it was a really good line. I also wondered here why nobody at Ruby's home has noticed she's been missing for at least two, three days. Right. Letty, yeah. that's just a girl. 
Well, where has Ruby been living? Because she was in the boarding house, but then she left the boarding house because she got mad that their mom supposedly left Letty all this money. But we don't exactly know where she went after that. That makes more sense. Because I assumed she was back at the boarding house and they were back on the boarding house stairs. And that's, that's what, what I, I thought like, last episode too. But then I realized, no, because where's everyone else? <laughs> it's a like, whole ass boarding house. Right? Oh, also like the white people can't get into the boarding house because of the seals. So I'm like, I thought Ruby let him in to the house as well as other things. And that's what <laughs> the goal of getting them together was. But here we are here we <laughs> in are. the white people's home. And I'm like, well, so you didn't use her to get into the house? Right. But one thing I do want to mention, because uh, it's, a, it's a big plot point before, she, before Ruby gets home, Letty and Tick get it on. Uh. Longer, longer than seven <laughs> seconds this time, at least. I am tired of this. I don't need this. I do not need this romance. They don't make sense together. Tick doesn't deserve her. Like, especially after that seven second, like, seven rough seconds sex on the bathroom sink with the ghost in the background. Like, I can't. Like, <laughs> no, that, that is not the foundation of, of an actual relationship. And I also need Letty to know she has not a rehabilitation center. He just puts his own ass and well, she needs and, to, like, let it go. And because, like, every time they're intimate, it comes after a traumatic event. So this one happens after he's beaten his father almost to death. The, the one that kisses her in the, in the elevator after they all nearly drown. And then yeah. the seven seconds, you know, is after. It just, it's all, it never comes from like a genuine romantic place. You know, it's, it's all really weird to me. You gotta ask yourself if you wanna be with someone who only wants to be with you when they was about to die or almost died. <laughs> and then he also doesn't even like respect her sexual history or her relationship to sex like ooh, it pissed me off so much yeah. in episode three where she's like that was my first time he was like your first time doing what like what else could i mean in this moment right now <laughs> i was like send him back to the war the planet the galaxy wherever we found him put him back put him mm-hmm. back there <laughs> so the then we go to ruby coming home and the, and the whiteness is currency line she also says, he says he's sharing his magic with her. And she says, why are you sharing your magic with me? And I was like, good point, Ruby, because he is clearly up to something. Why her? And she says, why me out of everyone in the city? And I was like, girl, if, you, if Letty and Tick and Montrose would have been honest with people and told them, look at this fucker we've been through, she would know why. But she doesn't know why because they didn't tell her. I need all of these central characters to have a couple of really group good group therapy sessions because the communication is not a thing here. They mm-hmm. all out here running wild, not talking to anybody, just like shoving people in bathrooms and <laughs> like punching them in the face. And I'm like, you could also use your words. Yes. <laughs> Hippolyta should know why her husband is dead. Yes. We, we did not see her in all this episode, so I'm worried. I'm real worried. I, had it been her in the closet, I also would have quit these miniseries episodes just so we're all clear. <laughs> I, I have lines you. I will not cross for this show. <laughs> I'd be like, you know, I know I said I would do this, but I don't know. <laughs> you got this trip. <laughs> Is it, do we go directly? Yes, we do. She goes, so, she goes back to the mall because she went the first time for fun. And now we come back with Cardi B. Money. 
which I love because like the last time she was here as regular Ruby, we had like Kaylee 47 money, which is different money because that one was like, I'm coming to work. And this one was like, I'm coming to spin. <laughs> and I was like, I get this mood. I love this mood. I see this mood. I wish it was not this white woman, but okay. Um, and, and she goes to uh, interview for a job there. It's a gross interview. Uh, yes even though one thing that really made me giggle during this interview but also kind of was a very like subtle undercurrent of the show is when she tries to fake white and she can't even though she has the white skin she doesn't know the little towns in Maine she doesn't know she's like pulling out this like story that sounds like something from a sitcom that would be playing during that time to describe her history and how she got into retail and like part of me thought that maybe that is what happened like to some degree and like maybe a colored store um of that time where like a sales clerk did help her mom and she was like dang I want to be able to like make my mom feel good because I'm sure there were very few bonding moments between her and her mom and when they were kids and maybe that was one of them maybe that put her it put in her head to like be in this department store and make people feel that way um but still like the way that she went into it i was like oh girl you might have a skin but <laughs> i agree because she starts to tell this story at one point and she's like me and my mom no me and letty i mean <clears throat> my sister and i and i was like <laughs> <laughs> but and yeah. I, I will say that the actress that plays white ruby did really well in playing that kind of like uncomfortable in my own skin because like even that scene before when she before she has the ice cream and stuff and she's walking down the the street, you can just tell she does not under she does not know how to operate. Really. Yeah, no, you you wake up with all these privileges all of a sudden, and how do you negotiate that when you're so used to having to like apologize, taking up space or existing, and now you're like I get to be looked at as a person. Right. So I, I get the appeal of this like magical potion and this being white, especially for someone in that time and era who is everything that Ruby gets shot on for. Right. Yeah, and truly that, because I was very confused in the first part of the episode, and I didn't realize that Ruby was turned into a white woman until that very moment on the streets, where she's like, I don't know what to do. And that's when it finally clicked, because when he put the potion, I was like, what is that? Don't drink that. But then, <laughs> when she's in the streets, is when I finally realized, oh, she was the white woman, and now she's like doing it consensually. Yeah. <laughs> Versus in the beginning of the episode. And so he, it, he basically got her hooked on a drug, but like without her knowledge. He like uh, put a little bit of something, something in her food. And now she's like, why am I chosen for it? And he's like, oh, did you like that? <laughs> Here's more. I'll need a favor someday. Right. And so I'm like, yeah. Well, and, and, and so in the interview, um, the, the boss man brings up how does she feel about colored people? Because apparently the, when the company got rid of their white only policy, they lost a lot of employees. And he said, and to, um, and to like comfort her whiteness, he was like, don't worry, they're not race baiters. To not like, don't be afraid. She's not one of those black people. That was quite common because it was like, you can't just have a white only situation anymore. So it'd be like, fine. And they'll hire one black person and torture them until they quit. <laughs> and then start over oh right which we kind of get into later on but anyways um so then that happens and then she, so she gets the job of assistant manager and with ruby's resume 
which was never good enough. I did not clock that. I did. Oh. Poor girl. And he was like assistant manager. And she was like, because he was going through all the things. She's like, yeah, and this and this and this. That was Ruby's resume. She might have taken off some of the more like black places because there's a place for accountant class that she mentions later. Mm-hmm. But like the rest of that was all her and her experiences and things. Wow. And it's good enough for a white woman, but not good enough for the black woman because mm-hmm. they already have money for the black woman slot in the store. Right. Literally the only thing that she changed was this color of her skin. And her resume was suddenly that so much better. Even though that does jump to, well, I won't jump ahead, but like the conversation that she has with Tamara in the future is like the negative side of that. (laughs) Well, not the negative, but just like the more complicated part of how she feels about her qualifications. But we'll get there when we get there. Um, She keeps taking in all of the issues and throwing them at the wrong people as opposed to the people who are causing the issues. Mm-hmm. And I think it's part of her just feeling powerless because clearly she can't snap at a white person in Chicago in 1955. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I hope that's part of it as opposed to her just being like, well, all of y'all black people are trash and I'm special. But <laughs> 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 so they're back from that. But sometimes mm-hmm. I wonder. Yeah. <laughs> so then towards, so she gets the job and then towards the end of the interview, her potion starts to wear off. So she runs off saying that she needs to go the, to the little girl's room, but really she goes down like the freight elevator and starts her transformation, which every time she transforms is so gross. I guess it's it's disgusting. Situation. It's worse than a werewolf situation because at least you know the werewolf situation stuff is coming on, but like in this situation, stuff is coming off and it's just, <laughs> oh my God. And I, because <laughs> I had in the notes I put, um, does he have to cut her out of the body every time? <laughs> and then I quickly realized, oh no, it just just falls right off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because he tells her before he cuts it off, he says, if you would, it, he said <laughs> to relax, you're making it harder. So I guess if you just like relax and let it happen, the body just like disintegrates off of you. But then, like, do you, does she leave like a pile of skin everywhere that she changes? She does. I think she does. Because she, she left she it in should. the alley. <laughs> Well, he said like snakes. Freight, if you were like delivering the packaging the next day and like you look down there's just blood and skin and it, it's definitely a mrs hyde <laughs> dr jekyll situation <laughs> nobody asked to see play out so many times Mm-mm. Mm-mm. i did not need it every time it happened i was like why is it happening again why can't we just allude to it why can't we cut away right. <laughs> <laughs> So then we go to Montrose, going to the hotel room, and this is when our suspicions that Montrose is gay is confirmed, or at least by, we'll say- And we also realize that him and Tick might be related because of the way they handle sex. Okay, I got got, got to make a point. Okay, for all the listeners out there, I don't care how good you think your spit is, it isn't lube. So please, let's let's respect our bottoms and buy some lube if you're going to be having intercourse because that did not look fun. Mm-mm. Also, where did all that spit come from? Like, that was like Jonathan Groth and Hamilton level spit. Like, that was nasty. I was like, you need to... Does he have a gland problem? Like... <laughs> He was like mm. a, it was like a squirtle from Pokemon. Like 
come on. Because then I was like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh. Right. And so, yes, I clocked that there was no kiss. So it didn't seem very intimate to me. But also, I, I do understand the struggles that I'm sure he's going through as a queer person. I don't understand on the Black side of it. But, like, as a queer person, I'm sure in the 1950s, it, it's still scary to be, like, I have these emotions, I have these attractions, and I want to act on them. And I maybe he wants to be romantic, but he is too nervous, too scared, too stuck in the toxic masculinity world to do that. And so I get it. But yeah, there was no romance to this moment. Yeah, especially since like his relationship to abuse is tied in his queerness. Because I don't know um, if y'all clocked. Because it took me like the second as second watch to see the moment when like um, Courtney B. Vance is at Uncle George. That's his name. <laughs> is talking to Machos in the mansion, and he's like, "Why don't you draw anymore?" And he's like, "You know, I don't draw anymore." And it's because he was going down to cheer for the Negro baseball league players and his dad caught him one time. And like, that's when I think the beating started. Um, So just to have it like ingrained from that young age, like, you know, it must be like scary to even think of trying to kiss someone. Right. Um, And I do, but I I am really glad that they are tackling this issue, not the issue, but the the storyline of queer black people in the 50s because like I said I've said in earlier podcasts there are people that legitimately believe that queer history started with Stonewall and I'm like y'all we've been around since like Greece so (laughs) 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 when I was a reporter in Chicago I found out about like a whole queer history I didn't know about in Chicago um like it wasn't always this like boys town where it's all like cis white men <laughs> it used to be like different places people had different signs and codes so they could know who was who and who was cool it was a whole like thriving community and we won't get to see the funner side of it in this show but like it was kind of nice to be like something i learned about when i went to this museum and saw some presentations and heard some people speak right. is like what well, we reflect i feel like we get a little glimpse of it it doesn't go into like detail about the, the community but we get a little glimpse we'll get there in a minute because we got some cameos y'all and i was here uh, i was like is that shangela girl is that true i clocked <laughs> monet before i clocked shangela so i was like is that for me? <laughs> <laughs> anyway so um um i've lost my place in the notes real quick <laughs> so back to the store ruby's working her best job living her best white life and she finds Tamara, who is the black woman who was hired last week on Lovecraft Country. Oh, and instead of her like just trying like figure out what's going on, she's still competing with her, even though she's white and above her and making more money. Because Ruby has this need to know why somebody thinks anybody is better than her because she's been shot upon so much. Yeah. And so she kind of attacks her in a really gross way. She's like, so did you go here? But you took accounting classes if you didn't finish high school, right? But did you do this or did you do that? Uh, and I'm like, don't piss on, don't piss on your sis just because y'all don't look alike right now, okay? What? Right, right. And I get, I get it, cause I know it must hurt. Cause like, even now it hurts when somebody gets a job and you're like, you didn't even have to try. Right? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you just happened to be the first black face they saw that day. And even when they first showed. Um, 
her in like the episode where Ruby goes to the department store, I was kind of shocked to see her there too. Cause like, I was like, wow, like they hired a dark skinned black woman to do this job. Um, and you know, that could have easily been her, even though of course, as mentioned before, like they have different body types, they have different hair types that make Tamara a little bit close to the, prox- to the proximity of whiteness than Ruby, but still the differences are not that far. Right. Oh, well, and we're still in the world of, you know, with the body type that Ruby has, she would be, you know, plus size, not like mm-hmm. this is actually the normal size of most women in the world, which we're still dealing with today, but like, you know, uh, did anyone else clock that uh, Ruby says, you, she said, uh, you told me you applied on a whim, and she was like, did I tell you that? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you almost did it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Another like, instance, so you slip it. Because Hughes is the white man that hired both of them, who we need to use his name. He comes up later a few times. Yes. And also, why in the world would you mention that in a job interview? (laughs) I applied on a whim. Please hire me. Right? So, like, I feel like Tamara knows something's up, but, like, who could ever think, is this white woman the black woman I spoke to last week? I mean, she should have known something that was up when uh, Ruby told her that her hands was ashy because I know <laughs> that white people just learned what ashy means. Right? 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 Ain't no way she knew in the 60s. <laughs> but, um, and you can tell, like, Ruby's frustration with Tamara grows throughout this episode because we'll get to it in a minute, but, like, this was kind of, like, the moment I was like, and the third time I was like, oh, Ruby, girl, I know you upset, but let's not take it out on her, please. <laughs> she's trying I, one of my issues with ruby and i'm hoping she works her way through it if we let her live which i don't even know anymore she's in too deep now um, um so then, then we go back back to the backstage where say backstage it's not the, the, the like the where they take breaks or whatever um, <laughs> right the break room and we have the white women hanging out and showing off their racism as white people do. I thought that each of these bitches was one of the bitches that Tamara mentioned kept her away from her own station, helping them do their shit and or doing it for them. Mm. And they're back here playing around in like the furs and the heels. Yeah. That sounds like it's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and they even say, um, let's hope they don't hire any more colored people. And Ruby, white Ruby says, well, hopefully they're more qualified. And they're like, well, they can't be qualified because they're black. Right, and then she gets her face cracked. Because <laughs> she was like, oh, so it, uh, I, I'm sure she knew that on some level, but to hear it is different, you know? Because she's sitting here berating this, like, Black woman because she's not qualified enough, and it turns out, doesn't matter how qualified you are. <laughs> right. I also clocked um, the white woman who she might have I forgot which word she used it might have been colored it might have been something else I think she uh, said negro that's yeah. what it was I just wasn't going to use that word because they want Tamara to take them to the south side and show them how the negroes hang out and like somebody's like don't use that and she's like it's the at least I didn't use the less civilized word <laughs> and I'm like isn't that a white person wanting a cookie for not being blatantly racist <laughs> I made a note of like, this is how white people make excuses for their racism. Like, well, I didn't say today, you know, well, I didn't say the N word. I just said, 
I had a whole fight this weekend with an old white man who found me and tried me. <laughs> and a lot of his non-apologies were somehow even more problematic. And I was like, just stop. You right. want a cookie for signing a call to action when you have a 50 something year history of being an asshole? No. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah no. Oh, it's like white people saying, I didn't use the N word, I just said the blacks. <laughs> I went to theater in Chicago because of that. Because he was real comfortable using blacks. And I was like, no, we're done here. Thank you. I tried. <laughs> <laughs> like, there have been so many instances, or just one I can think of in particular, where, like, someone is racist to me. And then it was her, her and her boyfriend who was, like, hanging all over her, like, a fur coat while I was working in the box office. And then they go away. And then she comes back, and she's just like, I'm so sorry. He was drunk. I would never say something like that. Like, that's not who I am. And it's like, I don't care who you are. You holding up my line. And it already happened. So <laughs> you can go. <laughs> you should have said this in front of your boyfriend and stopped him from doing it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you enable him to be an asshole, then you also an asshole. Oh. Exactly. So um, then, the, yes, and like Sheree said, they their their plan is to get Tamara to bring them to Southside to see how the the black people party because they're just gross. I mean, it, it is probably more fun than they're having, but like, you know. Oh yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Even though, what do they say about Ruby's hips? Um, they're Ruby like, why Ruby yes. got rhythm and has <laughs> hips and they don't, and they're like, you clean up down on the south side with them hips and them moves, because they out there just like painfully trying to dance, and Ruby's like, I do this all the time. <laughs> it's literally my job. I totally had a hairspray moment because they say you should go on so and so show, and then the other white lady's like, oh, she'd be, she'd probably tear up on the on the colored people days. And I was like, are we in Harrisburg right now? Are we about to see <laughs> dance off the beat? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, so but these white women, including white Ruby, <laughs> go outside and not buggers have leaned up against the car and all the white women are gagged. And Ruby's like, hi. And they're like, you know him? And she's like, depends. And this she is what I wondered. Does not says, work anymore? She says, when he's good, which I love that line. <laughs> but like, I just love how they have him like 50s movie star leaned up against the Mustang, just like sunlight radiating on him to just right? paint the fantasy the of just whiteness. <laughs> like, oh my God. It was I perfect. I expected to be in a calendar and on like a Maytag commercial. And I was like, <laughs> I'm buying a washer. Did <laughs> we actually petition to make a calendar of the men of Lovecraft because Lovecraft Country? Because I wouldn't turn down any man in this entire show. Let's be real. I need to know where HBO is swiping right because I'm not in the right apps. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yes, Ellen, this is what he says. He's going to cash in on the. Um, favor that he wanted from her for giving her the potions and she was like oh now I get to find out what the devil wants from me wants from me with the deal that I made and I'm like mm, yeah mm -hmm. and some might argue that she should get that information up front but that's just me right, right? <laughs> that's you got magic to do so therefore you know more for you co-sign yeah so then we go oh no did he say because he says um we're gonna go you what? Oh, yeah. She says, you're going to go to a party and I have a gift for you. Straight up made outfit. Um, and she gives him a look 
and then we cut to this party and a ruby ruby not white ruby is not having it with her little tray of hors d'oeuvres that she's giving these white people in this outfit and they are snapping for oh i hate it when men snap at women but like a white man snapping at a black woman is even worse (laughs) (laughs) violence can only come of that and so i don't know how ruby kept herself in check there (laughs) she has that potion and that butler as soon as she got back to the little like waitress area she was like oh where's that that woman needs to get here shows up and tells her that they get this captain the police captain's house and ruby's like the fuck no we ain't <laughs> and she's like no you owe me this favor you'll put it in his office and they're like and the way she grabbed ruby the way mm. she grabbed her was very intimate and was like talking to her about do you really care for william because william needs you to do this I was like, LaBob is right. They're the same person, officially sold. Um, yeah, and, and when you look yeah. at their faces, like right now, like really close they up, so they, they do. Yes. So, but I also love the moment um, when Ruby finds out that this is the police officer's home and she says, Y'all trying to get me killed. <laughs> <laughs> so nobody said anything about no cops. Like, hold up, wait a minute now. <laughs> So Christina gives her this mission to put this stone in the captain's office. So now is she trying to curse the cop? Like, I thought she was using the cops. I'm, I'm real confused here. She's chaotic neutral. She's just doing shit so we can be doing shit now. <laughs> well, and she made it seem to Ruby that she was doing it because out of, like, um, revenge for what the cop police officer or the police cop captain did to William. Because she says he shot him, he shot him in the back, and left him for dead in the river. But uh, Christina saved him. So is he real? Yes. Well, well, we'll get there. But um, well, see, here's my theory on that. Because I think that he it was actually supposed to inherit the lodge, and because like this whole like metamorphosis spell, I think you need someone who was previously dead. So I think that when Christina found out that he was dead he you she was like okay cool i can use this body and i just have to come back at the right time and reclaim william's like rightful place in this lodge Mm -hmm. so i think this is her plan to finally get into the cult since she can't do it as a woman because yeah because i guess that means that the the uh prison prison guard woman is dead too back in the the city well not the city Mm -hmm. the village the like (laughs) puritan village (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wherever that place the estates i don't know <laughs> <laughs> the commune of uh, <laughs> so, right. it was somewhere in connecticut it's fine <laughs> right um and then she gets so she goes she sneaks into the office she successfully plants the stone in the desk and then she hears the person in the in the closet and then but then as she's investigating this closet she hears people coming into the room and so she quickly, oh no, she opens the door first and sees the man who is a white man, I think, right? I was gagged. Yeah, like I was like, it was a white man in the closet the whole time? Because we assumed, because it's with the police and the police don't like black people and have a history of thinking black people would be experimented on. We had a black person in this closet we were worried about the whole time. And I was like, Christina, bad wig Becky, chaotic neutral, this was a black person in that closet. And it was a white person. And I'm sad that I felt less anger at Becky now, <laughs> but also that's where we're at in this world. 
Even though I thought because of the way that the like white man in the closet was all like wriggling and stuff, I was like, is he about to shed his skin and become a black person too? Mm. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, so, but then she has to, to put herself into the closet with the man because the guys are coming into the office. And he, oh, and the, the guy in the closet's tongue is cut out. That's he, he why he was bleeding. <laughs> yeah. I would think, think it was because there's blood coming out of his mouth and he's like, Oh, that would make so much sense. I oh no, I was just like my anxiety just spiked when she went into that closet. I was like, no, make him an excuse. It'd be easier for you to just make him an excuse for why you in there. Mm-mm, nobody sees the help anyway. Just get out. <laughs> <laughs> I I I was mad at him in the closet because he kept trying to snitch, and I was like, good sir, you did anyways. Why you want to take her down with you? But he was like, mm-hmm. like no, let her live. Don't, they don't need to know you got a friend in there right now. <laughs> Selfish. Right. So, but she survives, and then the next day she's back to being white Ruby, talking with Tamara again. Because white Tam- Ruby is shook it. She is not the same white Ruby we knew and was thinking about maybe loving someday. <laughs> this bitch <laughs> is stressed. <laughs> she's, yeah, because she's mad at Tamara for doing a in-store display wrong or putting the wrong shoes with the wrong outfit. And she goes off on this is the one that I was like, oh, okay, let's let's back up, Ruby. <laughs> I will say that this is also like she is in a crazy place in her mind. Cause she's like going off on Tamara because she realizes that white people is crazier than she even imagined. Like when she says that, she's like, You don't even know. <laughs> this freak out I was fine with because this one wasn't about her just wanting to piss on Tamara today this one was her being like I'm literally living my white fantasy and it's somehow more fucked up what have I done <laughs> <laughs> I was in a closet with a man who's half dead last night in the police chief's house we got weird things happening left and right people are doing the fucking most and so like I, I understand this one as opposed to her other run-ins with Tamara and I'm just like I need you to chill rooms <laughs> Yeah, I think she truly was like, put these shoes in the right place because you don't even know. Don't even know. <laughs> I'm trying to save you, girl. <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. And, and, I, and I logically understand all of them, but just like thinking of it from Tamara's perspective, I can just be like, this woman is, cr- <laughs> she hates me. She won't no. leave me alone. But Hughes wanders in while she's having this freak out with Tamara. And he's like, what's going on? And Ruby's like, nothing. Um, Tamara's going to take us all to the south side because Hughes was sort of touching white Ruby a lot and she tried to be like, does he get fresh with y'all other white women? And they were like, no, he would never. <laughs> Which made me wonder if he had, and they're, and, but they're all like, we're good women. We can't, you know, cause like the shame of a victim kind of thing. I wonder if he has a fetish for black women and somehow sensed white Ruby. <laughs> had something about her because the way she was sort of speaking sometimes and like mm-hmm. I don't know I, I wonder if he has a sixth sense for his fetish also the way she's shaped because she still kind of has a similar body shape to Ruby mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. yeah so, so maybe he ain't here for Karen but he here for <laughs> white Ruby so they um make the plan that let that uh Tamara is going to take them to the south side and um 
Then we go, then we get the hotel room, or like, I guess hotel room, apartment room, I don't know, but the room. And they're all getting ready. Montrose and the boy, that, or the man that he was uh, hooking up with in the last scene we saw him in, and then Monet Exchange and Shangela, and I think there was two other people, but I didn't know them. <laughs> they was less famous. They was not on the American Drag Race. Maybe Canada's. <laughs> they they was getting ready. They had gone out. They were gonna have a good night. And so then we go to the um the the I, I said yes queer bars in the fifties because then we see the queer bar and the drag performance and Montrose and his I'm assuming boy his friend will say start dancing and this is when I really I was like oh I am liking and like watching him so and there and like I really like him being able to live his authentic self and being with this man who he clearly does have feelings for even though if he's not comfortable sharing them completely I don't know I just wish he hadn't done so many fucked up other things that I could have been like more celebratory. <laughs> but I am enjoying that it gave his character more dynamics than what we've seen before. Yeah, I just, I really appreciated him being able to heal and being able to see that and see it in his face. Like, you know, sometimes we just need a glitter shower, okay? <laughs> <laughs> like, sometimes that's what you need. It was a really nice break. It was because it was a good like five ten minute scene between the room where they're getting ready and then the actual like bar of like just really positive queer representation in the fifties with people of color and people playing with gender. It was it was a really celebratory moment that was refreshing in this the rest of this horrific uh, show and episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes especially considering like just in um watching that recent documentary on like trans representation in hollywood and seeing how closely that identity is related to horror and like of course that doesn't encapsulate the whole queer spectrum but like seeing queerness in this like horror place and being celebrated instead of used as like a reason why someone is crazy was very refreshing then we go to them at the bar. Um, we've got White Ruby and all her white friends and Tamara and the boss man. What's his name? Hughes? Hughes. Hughes. Yes. And Ruby's about to change again, so she goes outside to let it happen because I guess she's done with the night. Well, actually, I think she... Because she had the potion on her. Like, it was in her purse, and she was thinking about taking it. But I think just seeing, like, all of these white people, like embrace is the wrong word i i can't figure out the word that i want but like use blackness to have a good time knowing how they feel about black people just like made her sick to want to continue to be in this white skin mm -hmm. um and i think she truly was just like i gotta get this off of me and i gotta get out of here because like just seeing like the way these like white women are dancing with these black men and like are just excited and they're like Tamara show me how to like bunny lindy hat or whatever the fuck mm -hmm. um was just too much for her <laughs> she was over she said I'm done <laughs> right so she out here in this alley starting to change back and she overhears Hughes and Tamara and this is where we find out Hughes is a very awful person because he's trying to assault tomorrow mm. and he wants to just smell it because he's heard that black girls smell sweet 
which I, I, all of this, all of this hurt me in ways. And I was like, you made up a stereotype to be ickier and racister. And I don't even understand why. Uh, uh. It was, yeah. But you can tell like Ruby is done with him and done with his shit after she sees that. And she watches it like you see her bloody head as as Ruby Ruby, like through the hole. <laughs> <laughs> and so like that gets interrupted and Ruby goes home because Ruby doesn't actually interrupt. I think she might knock something over and No, I think Tamara like bites him or something right. and is able to get away because he's like, ah, you you got me. Now I have to not do this. <laughs> And so I'm glad because I for real thought that we were about to see like a rape scene, but thankfully the show was ran by a black woman mm-hmm. and she did not put us through that unnecessarily like some other people might. Um, but Ruby's watching this go down and then Ruby's like, uh, I'm going to go back to this white people mansion because at least these evil white people are the evil white people I rolled in here with. And so- <laughs> I know these white people and they're really crazy, but I know right? they are. And she's also, just, does she have anywhere to stay right now? I'm concerned about her housing. <laughs> For real, though. <laughs> um, so she goes back, and she's sitting on the couch processing her white life. <laughs> and all of a sudden, um, Christina comes out of the one locked door in the house. And even Ruby's like, what goes on down there? The one locked door in the house. And I was like, yup, LaBob, yup. <laughs> And she's like, nothing, don't worry about it. And they have a weird heart to heart. And Christina's like, why did, why did William give me this gift? And Christina's like, to do whatever the fuck you want. And I was like, ah, LaBob is right. And also Christina is as selfish as she is, is also seeing something in Ruby because she also wanted to like get her power in her family cult situation <laughs> without a man. <laughs> And so I'm like, there's a person in there somewhere, or a couple people, but one of them has a sword. <laughs> yeah, so like, this is the same sympathy that I felt for her when she's having that conversation with Tick in like episode, I think maybe one or two, mm-hmm. where she's like, we, like, we both have traumatic experiences with our fathers because they'll never like love us for who we are because we like are less than or whatever. Um, I'm paraphrasing. It was deeper than that, but y'all know, y'all saw it. Y'all was there. (laughs) And so, like, this was also another one of those very subtle examples of Ruby, like, having whiteness now, but not knowing how to use it. Because, like, there's a difference of, you know, trying to claim, and even, like, now we see that today in people who, like, try to posture and put themselves as close to whiteness as possible. It's, like, there's a difference from trying to have that world in which you can gain whatever you want because no one has ever told you no. Um, or you think that if you get here, no one can tell you no. And actually growing up in a space where no one has told you no and no one has told you you can't do this. And Ruby still has to get past that because like that is naturally ingrained in the Black experience. It's like knowing that inherently you can't have this, but if you work hard enough, you can versus just like, being told that you can have whatever you want. And she gets to learn that in this moment. Yes, which I, I find it ironic that a white woman is <laughs> telling her to take her training wheels off and like use her privilege to do whatever the fuck she wants. But like, I'm, I'm kind of here for it. Um, 
we also get this tidbit of currency of magic or currency is magic, which made me think of the whiteness as magic at the top. Mm-hmm. And I was like, tie your loose ends up, Misha. I see you. Tie them loose ends up. <laughs> <laughs> so, I love to go full circle. Book <laughs> right? ends are beautiful. So then we go to Rube, White Ruby. She's now White Ruby again. Mm-hmm. And she has decided to get her revenge on Hughes. Her, her and, Ta- and Tamara's uh, revenge. Let's be real. She's probably... Like, Revenge for so many Black women we don't even know about. Mm-hmm. Fair points, yes. Um, and so she's telling him that she has to put in her two weeks notice. And he's like, why? And she's like, well, ever since I've been working here, I've really wanted to fuck your brains out. And um, but then she like licks him from the, this like Adam's apple to his chin, which was a weird moment. Also like it cracks his neck. I was like, is he alive? I mean, get what you need. Get what you need. Also, um, it's to be to be fair, Black Ruby's only sex scene had not Butler sucking blood off of her hand. So whenever Ruby gets it on, we just gotta know we ain't gonna be here for all of it. Maybe her, she maybe she loves levels of seduction. <laughs> Maybe she's into that BDSM, but she really gets into it with this one because she like tells him she's going to be in charge. Can we talk about how she like sort of bundles him up and pulls him by what she's tied around his neck and then sets down and puts her heels up and it's like, suck it. I'm talking about her heel. And then fucking Cardi B comes back with Bodak yellow bloody shoes. And I was like, this is a mood. This is a weird sex scene, but Bloody Shoes is being sung by Cardi B. And this is a moment I think I have to see. And then it was a moment. And these it shoes. was a moment. And I mean, truly, <laughs> I thought that once she put the belt around his neck, he was going to die. Like, he was about to get choked out. He wish he did now. Well, right? He, what? <laughs> he was about to get more bloody because, ooh, so... She, I don't remember, how did she get his pants? I think after he sucks her heel, she like stands him up and takes his pants down mm-hmm. and then gets him on the floor and proceeds to anally penetrate him with these heels. Repeatedly. 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 There is blood involved in this. Blood does happen. And as she does it, her white woman starts to peel off. So like, even if he survives us and wants to share this story, how do you share this story? Who will believe you? <laughs> right? You mean White Ruby was a Black Ruby all along? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just like, uh, uh, I mean, my sensibilities are not attuned to a revenge fantasy. So I was truly uncomfortable the entire time. But also, like, seeing a rapist get it on tv made my heart happy because he earned <laughs> that, that shoe. a narrative we can see like he earned the shoe i couldn't say don't do that to him it was like i wish i didn't have to watch it for so long but also i love this song so i <laughs> i'm torn, <laughs> I'm torn. <laughs> i i just i need to check cardi b's twitter today because i just know she's like <laughs> bloody shoes you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole new definition. 
shit. Right. There's bloody on the, the outside, bloody on the inside. Right. And then as she walks away and the skin just continues to drip, drop with every step. She's like, I did what I need to do. Use my privilege for good. Plop, plop. Mm-hmm. And she's like strutting out in her heels and the white woman's falling off of her. And Maybe. I'm like, these are the visuals you get when you have a black woman writing your fucking show. Uh, <laughs> we can never can go we... back, HBO. We can never go back. <laughs> can we not for... Let's not forget that she is walking out this room with nothing but heels on too and covered in blood. <laughs> and they welcome. <laughs> yes even though that does confuse me because this yeah. is the second time that she's went home after the skin has fallen no this is the third time this episode that she's just walking in the streets with a coat and blood <laughs> <laughs> ain't nobody stopped she getting her. home <laughs> <laughs> ain't nobody stopped her nobody's like are you okay sis because <laughs> right? i know she don't got no car so how is she <laughs> like especially, especially. is she just like Wet wiping herself down real quick. Because how many wet wipes does that take? <laughs> Ooh, it's a lot. Were wet wipes around in the 50s? <laughs> Did oh. they have Lysol wipes? We don't have Lysol wipes either. This is 2020. <laughs> maybe there, uh, maybe there's like a spigot in the back of the thing with the water that you like and she can wash herself off. I think she's bloody out here. <laughs> I do too, because like in the episode when she comes home to confront Christina about why she was given whiteness, she's sitting on the couch, bloody. <laughs> like she's coated in afterbirth, just sitting there. And I'm like, Ruby, go to the That's shower nasty. first. I know you itchy. I know it's got to itch. Ooh, it's got to it dry. How do you just sit in it? And if that, yeah, gross. Okay. Um, <laughs> so then we go <laughs> from that to a kind of a somewhat touching scene between Letty and Tick. And this is the, so we mentioned earlier, Kenya, I think you mentioned it, that Tick never seems like interested in Letty's, what Letty has to say or Letty's struggles or Letty's story. And this is the first time we kind of see a kind of genuinely nice conversation between the two of them where they really kind of get to know each other and like where each other's coming from. Because Lenny talks about how with her mother, she, her mother was falling in love all the time. And so she knew that if she wanted, if she was going to fall in love, she wanted it to be something special because she didn't want to be like her mother. And Tick kind of explains his hesitancy with love. And he mentions a girl and I can't remember. It was when he was in um, the war in the military and she, he mentions her name. I can't remember what it was, though. But it is mentioned. People go back and listen. Because um, I think that's who he's calling, FYI. And he mentions that, you know, she, like, she, she was really important to him and all this stuff. So I, I, that was the first scene between the two. I was like, okay. If we get, like, four or five more of these, maybe I can buy into this romance. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's too little too late. Like, that's fair. <laughs> I need Letty to hold the seven seconds of purgatory over his head more than she does. Because, like, what was that? What was that? (laughs) Yeah. Also, if we recall, the woman that he's talking about was, like, his nightmare that he got in the mansion that, you know, he had to kill. Mm -hmm. So, I feel like their stories are slightly different. (laughs) 
Because that's a fierce ass bitch he pissed off. Because she came in <laughs> aiming for the jugular. Literally. Right. I need to know who is this woman? And then they mentioned, he mentioned her like when he first got back. Like he called her. And then she was like, you gotta stop calling here or something like that. Um, so I need to know who this woman is. She says, I told you not to go. Yeah. You should have listened to me. And she was real salty about it. Right. He leave women salty everywhere. <laughs> so Ruby goes home <laughs> and she like, I need some answers from you, William. And William's like, I'm busy. Oh, oh, oh. And she's like, I need answers right now. And he's like, ah, well, get them to, ooh, bones cracking. And I was like, he's going to change in front of us. Damn, we're going to have to watch him change in front of us. And LaBob was really right. <laughs> I almost texted this morning. But I was like, if he ain't caught up, it ain't right. And so I didn't. But I was like, it, this was the quickest payoff. Because we all have theories. And we all still wait and see them come true. LaBob said this shit last Monday around this time. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are, the following Monday. You would now know. Confirmed. William, Christina are the same person. And Ruby's like, you was William the whole time? <laughs> That's what I said it when she said it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, this whole time? <laughs> it was like some classic Jerry Springer. I was like, you were not who you were the whole time. And so again, we need to talk about consent and Ruby in this relationship. Yes. We, we didn't tell her to make her white. We didn't tell her she was sleeping with two people. Like, <laughs> we have to talk to Ruby. We have to talk to Ruby about these things that keep doing to her. Um. So, and then we find out that um, Tick has been still trying to decipher this language. And He's found his initials somehow. I don't, I don't know. I don't understand how to decipher languages. Um, but then he continues to work. And then, like, he finally decodes a part of it. And I think the only word he decodes is die, right? Mm-hmm. And then, but somehow he knows this means I need to call my ex-friend. Tell me in my dream. <laughs> <laughs> and so he calls her. And she's and she's like, so you found out, like, I told you you shouldn't have gone down there. You should have listened to me. And then he's like, what are you? Mm-hmm. And I'm and like, I asked mm. as well. <laughs> <laughs> what are, like, mm, I, I, I just, I just got so confused. And I was just like, I, I need the next episode now. <laughs> Misha, girl, call us, let us know. Okay, Misha, listen. I need to listen. know. Listen. <laughs> we need answers. My number is 555-5555. I was thinking to call it and see what happens, but if if I get something too weird, I'm feeling like, Misha, we done. We done. <laughs> Misha, email us at a nightmare on fear street at gmail.com. Let us right? Know. Can you imagine you call that number and it's like, Hello, Kenya. We know you'd call. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, nope, got to put it down. Where's my Bible? I got, like... <laughs> no, it, it, it's the wife. It's after she's like, hello? Call. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I guess, yeah, because, like, I feel like they wouldn't have spent so much time telling us the number, because that probably is the same number from the first episode. So it probably is. Oh, my God. I like her, too. Because I was like, who is this woman? And then we saw next week's 
flashes and it's like oh it's that woman mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah misha episode ends with misha <laughs> playing with her mind with- <laughs> as she does in every damn episode dude here we are we keep coming back so she clearly <laughs> i mean we have to i need to i need to know I'm really worried at this point. We're going to get to the end and not have answers. I am too. I am too. But, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, because I just like, I'm going to trust her. I'm just going to trust her. I'm not going to, I'm just going to trust. (laughs) All I know is if that last credit roll on episode 10 and I ain't got answers, I'm going to take it to the tweets. I'm going to take it straight (laughs) to the tweets. (laughs) I'm going to be like, Jordan, Misha, assemble. yourselves. <laughs> I am you have some things to answer to. Right. All right. So that's the end of episode five. We're halfway through this season of Lovecraft Country. Thank you so much, Kenya, for joining us. Yeah. Hopefully we have you back sometime soon. I would love to come back. You guys are great. And also this podcast is hilarious. I chuckled so many times as I was listening. <laughs> I mean, to the other episodes, not to this <laughs> Shrey, do you want to tell us what we got going on next week with yes. Lovecraft? Next week for Lovecraft Country Episode 6, I am. We will be joined by Girl That Scary Podcast host Jazz and Cat. I'm excited. We're going to have four people in the Zoom and try and get it done in one night still. So, <laughs> <laughs> expect a mini series of Episode 6, possibly, everybody. <laughs> All right. So, yes. And, of course, please follow us on all of our social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can email us at at nightmareonfearstreet at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you, hear your thoughts and your um, theories about what the hell is going on with this show and who the lady on the phone is and what is she? Is she a she? I don't know. May not be. Is anybody who they said they was anymore? We got skin suits, okay? Anything is possible now. (laughs) Are <laughs> you bringing skin suits? I can't trust none of my narrators. Everybody <laughs> unreliable. <laughs> and of course, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's really helpful if you could. Uh, of course, ratings are awesome, but if you could just write a short two to three sentence review so that people kind of get an idea of who we are, what our vibe is, that we're not it, the, the insane horror fans that are like pretentious. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> we just like to laugh about them a lot. Name names, Trent. Name names. <laughs> oh, too much time. Too many. Too little time. Sheree has rehearsal to get to. <laughs> Such a thing to be a problem in a pandemic. <laughs> that's, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, again, thanks everyone for listening. Make sure you stay fierce out there. Bye.